I've asked a special guest to tell me their favourite things about a chosen Doctor Who story. I'm Toby Haydoke, and this is Happy Times and Places. Hello, my name's Dara Carvel. I'm a playwright and screenwriter. Um, I'm the creator of the ITV crime drama The Bay. And the Doctor Who story I'd like Toby to look at is Kinda. Uh, now, Kinda for me is one of the jewels in the crown of Doctor Who. It's a beautiful stained glass window of a story, especially, I think, in terms of both the writing and the performances. Um, and it's of special kind of personal significance for me because after I watched this uh, story for the first time in 1982, when I was 13, I got together with some friends, some fellow Doctor Who fans, and we started a fanzine called Kinda. Um, so Kinda was one of the things that sort of set me on the path of writing. So I owe it a lot. And I just want to talk a little bit about some of the things I love about this story, taking it episode by episode. Well, welcome to my home and to this slightly terrifying edition of Happy Times and Places in which uh, I have to accentuate the positive of a story which is very, very highly thought of and by me as well. But also, unfortunately for me, it's also the story that is chosen by all sorts of clever people for, for clever reasons uh, and and uh, annoyingly, one of those clever people uh, who you've just met, Dara Carville, currently riding high from the success of the Bay, which is on as we speak, as I record this. Um, so thanks to Dara. I'm, as I say, I'm slightly nervous about this, but uh, let's see how we do, hey? Uh, let's see how we do. Um, I'm expecting him to come up with all sorts of clever reasons, whilst mine will be a bit lame and potentially a bit dim. Um, so here we go. Uh, uh, I have it on DVD. Uh, I actually have it on Blu-ray. Why am I watching the DVD? Um, it'll probably be better quality on the Blu-ray, won't it? I'd forgotten I had the Blu-ray, if I'm all honest. So I have the DVD and I'm going to press play now. So, uh, well, welcome everybody. Uh, this is Kinder, the third story in Peter Davison's reign, uh, the third one to be recorded and the third one to be shown, although his first story was recorded after this because they went four to Doomsday, the Visitation, then Kinder in recording order and in broadcast order, Castrovalva, four to Doomsday, and this one, Kinder. I'm I'm not a... Uh, yeah, I know I've got to accentuate the positive. I'm not a fan of the one-word titles. I'd have preferred it to be called Paradise of Doom or something. As a, I wa this, is, this is my stuff that I watched when I was younger. Um, I love these opening scenes between... Uh, what a cast. Uh, I mean, it's inevitable some or one or all of the cast are going to get a mention as we go along here. And this is Richard Todd. Uh, I think the only classic series Oscar nominee act, acting no, nominee he was nominated for The Hasty Heart opposite Ronald Reagan, uh, who was never nominated for an Oscar but did achieve higher, pur higher purpose. Uh, he plays us uh, in, in, in The Hasty Heart. He plays a Scottish um, soldier who is terminally ill and is brash 
and doesn't make friends uh, and, and, and actually learns that you, you can make friends. Uh, he's a fine and a film. He was a film star, Richard Todd. And I remember him being all over the papers um, when this was on. You know, this was John Nathan Turner's guest starring policy flowering. I didn't know who he was. I, I did know um, Neris Hughes, um, but but Richard Todd was certainly known to the the adults in my uh, in the environs I inhabited. Um, good move too if you've got too many companions, rather than shoehorn them into a story like in the underwater menace when there's lots of where do we go now, Doctor? I where? Yes, tell us, Doctor. All of that uh, to go. Oh, go and have a snooze. So Sarah Sutton, uh, with whom I was very much in love at this time. What's this? I was I was six when this was on seven seven uh, seven when this was on so uh, I had no means of declaring my love and had I had the means probably no means of demonstrating it but nonetheless um, now the the jungle set in this gets a lot of stick I think just the very fact that they that they uh, attempted a jungle in 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 the studio uh, on the evidence of that it's it's actually a very decent set it's the it's the it's the problem that you can't ever light it so that it, it looks like a jungle because obviously if you're in a jungle you have shadows and light streaming through various bits and darkness draped over other bits and I, it would be a lighting nightmare um i i i i i, I, I love the dynamic in the dome uh and Richard Todd is perfectly cast as the commanding officer. He's a, he's a particular type, but that helps us ground it in a sort of reality. Is the well, no, a, re, a reality, but it's very much a screen reality. Um, he's 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 very much a sort of type that we know. Whereas Neris Hughes, I think, is absolutely brilliant in this. Um, she was well known to us for comedy uh, and was the district nurse at this point, but she was certainly a, a, a ubiquitous TV face. Uh, but I think she's so good in this with the hardest job. Um, and here's Simon Rouse, who would end up cropping up in everything. He started cropping up in bread and this bits and bobs and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, various bits and bobs before becoming Jack Meadows in the bill, as, who was a sort of semi-regular who used to come in and yell at people because he was the one that investigated dodgy police. Uh, and then he became a regular fixture. And in fact, I think did the last, got the last speech in the last episode of the bill because he was considered, you know, the, 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 the you know, I think he was the longest serving, certainly the most senior sort of cast member. And Jack Meadows is a great TV policeman and Simon Rouse is a very good actor. Um, and he's very, very good in this. Uh, winter, gosh, they're giant wind chimes. Is I live, I'm in a place called Chalton in Manchester. Uh, I mean, these wind chimes would make you king of Chalton. It's that kind of place. Uh, if there's a pile of the guardians behind that bush and uh, a hummus stall round the corner, and perhaps a yoga cafe, uh, the planet of the kinder is very Chalton. <laughs> um, oh, um, so I, uh, oh, this is this is very. God, I mean. Press-ups are actually really hard. Here we have um, Richard Todd, who's no spring chicken, but he look—he's look how strong he is. He was very much uh, 
I suspect a very outdoor rugger sort of chap. I've I've done a podcast about his his war service because he he's the only person. Well, no, he might not be the only person, but he's he's in a film where he talks to himself. He's playing his own sort of commanding officer, and this other chap comes to talk to him uh, to get orders. And, and that other chap is sort of the role that that Todd took in real life on D Day. He was a he fought on D Day. Um, a couple of dozen parsecs off home world is everything about why Richard Todd is perfect for this because he's basically an, a colonial and that's the subtext there. This is the sort of British empire doing what it does, going, going and interfering, often led by very, um, a, a particular type of British officer. And in, in these sorts of stories, earth means British. Um, uh, but you also have to make it spacey and sciencey because it's Doctor Who. And to have Todd saying parsecs off home world. So you've got a parsec, which is a, a spacey thing, and then off, which is a, a, a very old fashioned way of saying off, uh, but a, absolutely in the type of those senior sort of army officers. It's where those two things don't clash. They melt, they come together to, to show what the story is doing and why the casting helps with that. And I think it's delightful and I think it's great that they've chosen to, you know, him to do that sort of exercising while he's doing it because it keeps it, it keeps the sort of expositional stuff and the scene setting uh, very interesting. I, I distinctly remember this. So much of this I remember from when it was first on. I very much remember the, 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 the camera uh, going into Tegan's eye. Oh, which it hasn't done now, but it, it, it will do. Um, I didn't follow the story at all as a seven-year-old. I, I note that this story, which is now considered a, a high watermark in uh, in scripting of Doctor Who, especially by the clever people, uh, <laughs> um, came bottom of the Doctor Who Doctor Who magazine poll. It, put that in context. It came lower than Four to Doomsday and lower than Time Flight. Um, and I, and I think part, well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the snake in part four is, is perhaps one reason because, you know, they say leave them wanting more. Ah, um, not leave them with an image of a big pink snake. Um, here, this child at the front wielding an apple with a, a, a suggestion that he's a, you know, he's, he's holding two apples in three apples in one hand, uh, which just goes to show that uh, future movie star Johnny Lee Miller had got Apple acting down to a T, even at the tender young age. Yes, if you didn't know that already, that little boy, the the, the, the one at the front, walking at the front there, is Johnny Lee Miller uh, off of uh, elementary and train spotting uh, and all sorts of things. He's, he's back in picture now, just to, just to the left. Uh, uh, and uh, wandering off, there he is. Uh, well, well done, Johnny Lee Miller. This actually has quite the... Ca I know it's got quite the cast on paper. Richard Todd, Neris Hughes, uh, Mary Morris in the ne next episode, Simon Rouse. But also, uh, Johnny Lee Miller is not the only illustrious extra that we will see. And I will try to point them out, whilst other podcasters may well be going, well, the thing about the Buddhism subtext in this particular scene, I'll be going, that extra was in London's burning. Uh... <laughs> uh 
they do not this they do this is this is nice um keeping it interesting stuff you know this is just a a, a slightly slow prop advancing on them but but davison gives it a danger gives it an urgency and it just uh, it, it, it keeps a story that has quite a lot of conversation and quite a lot of static in it and where a lot of the threat is sort of simmering danger it it, it keeps it, it you know it keeps the jeopardy rolling uh is uh <laughs> that's Davis Davison's superb. Um I, I that's that's great with him pointing at the gun because he's unlike unlike Troughton who sort of often feigns or or is actively scared, Davison Davison actually has a, a sort of a, a, a slightly a, a bit of authority that he that he projects through that innocent and, and sometimes slightly quizzical and sometimes slightly alarmed facade there's a little bit of a look don't mess um uh where where this sort of bonhomie this breezy bonhomie and he and and, and he does it again here doesn't he look if we turn out to be Hostile and fair enough. He's so, see, that is so good. I mean, this is a young man as well, uh, and and yet he he projects uh, a wisdom and an authority uh, beyond that very pleasant open face of his. Uh, you know, he's not a craggy character actor, but he's 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 got a lot of hidden depth. This is the stuff I, remember. I haven't even mentioned Peter Grimwade, who is who is, you know, definitely. Uh, in the upper echelons of uh, 80s directors uh, and uh, I mean the work he does on Earthshock an action movie on uh, Doctor Who Studio Day is is exceptional but this is this is a different kind of story and yet he still brings his very sharp storytelling skills um, keeping the atmosphere um, and also getting good performances out of his cast I've seen when I had this on video I got it quite late, actually, because I was in no particular hurry to get it because I'd remembered it as being, well, there's a madman in a dome and a bad snake and some boring savages. And OK, there's the there's the not even boring savage, boring tribes people. Um, and OK, yeah, there's a there's there's the spooky dream stuff that I think is probably quite good. Um, but but I, it, 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 you know, I, I'm I, I'm not, I didn't vote in the Doctor Who magazine poll, but I suspect at the time. You know, there were, there were other things grabbing headlines for me and they would have been, def, you know, Earthshock and Visitation, the more traditional uh, stories. Now, of course, as a grown-up, I absolutely embrace this. I think it's smart and clever and compelling and d d trying to do something so interesting within the, the, the confines of Doctor Who. And it works. It works as a Doctor Who story. The sort of base commander going mad is, a, is very much a, a Doctor Who trope. But this makes it well. One, this does it with, with a with a superb central performance um, of that base. Well, he's not the commander either. He's somebody who 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 is who is given authority to make a man of him, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, ends up embodying the folly of of that sort of um, behaviour. Um, uh, but but it was a story I was not in a particular hurry to get, so I got it quite late after a few people had said, oh, no, no, Kinder's the best script Doctor Who's ever had. And I go, oh, really? Okay. Um, I, knew it, I knew it had a cast that interested me, again, that I sort of discovered later. Um, but apart, apart from the obvious ones, 
Um, oh, extra spotting galore here. So we'll we'll come back to the chess players because these two kinder um, uh, prisoners are perennial extras. Barney Lawrence, uh, who's also Dave Clifford in... Is it Dave Clifford, Dave Coolshaw? Angela Clifford and Dave Coolshaw uh, in Time Flight, but he's a marshman. He's quite a few monsters, Barney Lawrence. Um, but the other one is Mike Mungarvin, uh, who... Uh, is is the sort of Pat Gorman of the eighties, really? He, he he's 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 the trooper who gets attacked by the Dalek in R- Resurrection of the Daleks. He is a Dalek in Destiny of the Daleks. Um, he gets a line in Trial of a Time Lord um, as duty officer, so he's actually a credited cast member uh, on on that occasion. Uh, but he's also Howard Harvey, the investigative journalist in Doom Lord in the Eagle comic. Uh, so he's had quite an interesting career as Mike Mungalvin. He's won to spot. But this is Anna Wing, Lou Beale from EastEnders, playing chess with Roger Milner, who is a, a great character actor, often played sort of vicars and things like that, uh, who lived in Ludlow, where I was from. My, my brother was at school with Richard Milner, who was the son of Roger Milner. So I always felt like I'd sort of met him, even though I never did, and he's dead now. Um, uh, but yeah, he was he was sort of Ludlow's actor, Roger Milner. So uh, uh, and Jeff Stewart, another alumnus of the Bill, um, Jeff Stewart as Ducker, um, who I remember quite again, who I remember quite well from watching this at the time. He seemed like a sort of charismatic nightmare creature. He's a bit more biting and spiteful now than I remember him being at the time. But it's a great look. Uh, and uh, he's very different to PC Reg Hollis, who, if you've not seen the Bill, is one of the great Bill characters. The sort of very ploddy, uh, pedantic, uh, um, uh, weaselly sort of copper. Great character, great like Simon Rouse's DCI Jack Meadows, but very different. They are they are both uh, definitive depictions of a certain type of policeman. Uh, I think he's quite a character, Jeff Stewart. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I might see if some of the things I know about him are are actually out there in the public domain before episode two. Um, but the, the light, but this is this is great because this is this is not usual for Doctor Who, and you know the chess players are they there? So this is Tegan's subconscious, the chess players representing Tegan and Adric, uh, uh, and then you've got. Um, so you've got those two who are in Tegan's mind. You've got these two prisoners here who are in their own cage. Um, uh, Tegan is in her own mind with the box in the corner. Oh, there's a whole load that's cut. That's the thing. I had this on VHS late. And when I got it, it was episode one, three, four, and then two. And I, I sometimes used to go, can I be bothered for fast forwarding and going back? So I'd sometimes, I quite often watch it out of order. Um, uh, but there's a whole load of stuff cut about them not being able to eat the food, so the eating of the apple. Oh, the apple is very symbolic. Uh, apples become quite important. Um, uh, uh, but actually, it, it the way that they, they play out the we shouldn't be eating apples thing and, and Hindle's reaction to the eating apples, you, 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 know, you, you know from what's in this episode, it, it's done, there's enough there to say, okay, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be eating the the the, uh, the 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 natural products of Diva Loca, um, uh, but there's there's a lot more of it, and actually there's a lot more of 
Sanders, quite, Richard Todd, who I think must have cost quite a lot of money, uh, has quite a lot of his stuff cut, and he's he's much more horrible to Hindle. I mean, he's a bit stuffy in this and a bit and and, and slightly bullish, but he's an active bully, I would say, in the the original cut of episode one. That's that's yes, because I had this, I had episodes one, three, four, and then two, and then a bit later on. I got the extended cuts of episode one and two with the time code on uh, uh, and was pleased that there was more interplay between the people, the people in the dome who I think are very interesting characters. But I actually think, I, I don't think it really loses anything and actually gains from the tightening up. I, I don't like seeing Richard Todd being a more unpleasant version of Sanders actually, although I suppose it does make his change starker because sort of bluff to sort of genial and childish um is is not such a a, a distance traveled as as the sort of bu bullying bullish uh, uh uh character that we get um in the full cut an apple a day keeps <laughs> that's that's very witty uh this is this is this is great i mean he's he he really commits to this simon rouse and it's hard because you can't look good doing madness and you can look really, really bad. And of course, I say madness in inverted commas in sort of um, TV terms. Uh, and and he does rant in places, but he he but it's he but he gets away with it because he dilutes it with 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 the the, the smaller moments. Um, I think he'd probably say now, and if it if it was uh, you know, and if it was done on film, see if this was done on film. You, you could act almost for each shot and you do have continuity, of course, of performance, but the continuity comes in subtler moves because you, you can flick um, from one small movement to another in a way that in, in a sort of multi-camera studio thing, you can't, you have to be a bit more fluid in your, in your changes. Um, so I think he negotiates that really well and I think you would perhaps have a few quieter moments if this was a more of a filmic exercise. Um, but I, I think he does a, 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 a terrific job. Uh, and, and, I, and I do like um, all of these characters uh, within the dome. But as I say, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't quite, I have to say, I wasn't quite sure what was going on as a kid. Now, what do we say about that? Do we say that therefore it's not doing its job? But it didn't matter because I love Doctor Who anyway. I mean, I when I say I found this a bit, you know, a bit slightly dull and confusing, that's only everything's relative. It was still Doctor Who. It was still the most uh, uh, amazing and magical part of the week. But I think, you know, for me, I think that's a great shot and that that snake piece of music, uh, and he's beautifully lit and he looks very. Uh, he looks very creepy. He's like a sort of nightmarish harlequin, uh, uh, and and the makeup that he's got there that accentuates the lighting. It's 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 very very well done. So you know this idea of the mirror capturing their souls and and and, and the suggestion that there's a bit of psychic powers going on. And of course we've got the 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 what is it the double helix in the in the necklace that suggests that they are much more advanced than. Uh, appearances would suggest and you know um that you know the, the the clever idea of of you know what what is what is what what do we consider advanced and actually if they're 
way of life that has stripped away all of the advancements for for a simpler uh, uh, way more more communal with nature is the safer one because it keeps us away from the you know all all, all the dark things that uh, that spring up in your mind in in a in a modern way of uh, life um actually uh, uh, as i'm saying it out loud uh, is actually more profound to me now in this time of i'm recording this during lockdown uh, there's been an announcement today that suggests we might be on our way out so perhaps you're listening to this in the future where we're all gallivanting about licking each other's eyes and uh, 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 touching handrails and all of that sort of business but uh, uh, as I record this the the roadmap has only just been drawn um, but 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 uh, there's a, there's a couple of elements of this. That one about a slightly the slightly simpler life and and, and stripping away, um, consciously slipping away, technology and and ad- advancement again in inverted commas, um, but also the the aspects of, of of mental health, the aspects of being being cooped up. I haven't actually mind being cooped up particularly, but I. I, I certainly identify with the 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 mental health pressures of 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 um, modern life, which sort of Hindle is undergoing in his own way. That that Sanders um, copes with in a in a different way, you know, to make him put him in charge, to make him make a man of him. Those sort of old fashioned views of how we how we deal with fragile people. And now, of course, the debate is whether we go too far uh, the other way and um, show too much. Um, uh, we, we are too indulgent of uh, fragility. Um, my instinct tells me that's the nicer way to be, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, now, is this the only bit I do I love this cliffhanger. It's, it's great in almost every regard. I just wish that gun was heavier. Uh, and smaller it's it, it's just it's slightly too light you, you can see it's not very heavy and it's slightly too comically large it's like a projector um, uh, and if I had my time again I would go and paint out every aspect, image of those guns and, and replace them with a smaller niftier one um, uh, because uh, yeah, because um, that's and that's the sort of traditional man waves gun at the doctor, but with added uh, sort of psychosis, genuine psychosis. I love the fact that the guest cast get credited before the companions. Uh, I don't know. I, I love the companions, but I love the fact that they go. No, we, uh, you know, the companions, you've got the regular contract, uh, but we've got some serious guest stars here. Um I always thought it was quite confusing that there was um, that Neris Hughes played Todd and there was sort of Todd on the on on her chair, you know. But but Richard Todd was in it too, and it was like I wonder if if during if that was a way of wooing Richard Todd. You say, well, you'll get your own chair with your name on it as well. <laughs> um, but it's very very clever that there's so much going on. Uh, the one thing I'd worried about, which was the jungle. I actually think the jungle's very... It's a very good design. Malcolm Thornton was a good designer. Um, 
but it was i mean it's always going to look like a studio now i can live with that because i i speak a delingo i was i was brought up with uh with um you know doctor who on a on a made it made videotaped in a studio um i i suspect it would look to a modern audience like a load of people standing in front of pot plants but i th I, th I think i actually think that jungle set's pretty decent it's the lighting that's the problem and that's not a criticism of the lighting director that's just that's impossible to light to make look like a jungle and, and work to be visible to be to tell the story uh i think it's very good i think i'm gonna have to I think I'm going to have to because I'm going to be, have to be quite clever with this. Um, not in terms of going, oh, the Buddhist subtext of that, because I'm not sure I can articulate that. I mean in what and when I choose what. So I'm going to say, because if I choose something now that he then chooses in three episodes time, I win that point because I've got there first. Um, so I'm going to say, because because we're trying to do things that are specific to each episode, but some of those things will will cross episodes. <laughs> and do you go, Simon Rouse as Hindle, he's got finer moments later. Do you say, uh, Richard... I mean, every, the, every, almost every performance in this you could single out. Um, uh, so I'm going to go... I'm going to say, to cover all of that, I'm going to say the cast, the guest cast, because it's an extremely strong guest cast. I think it would be a disservice to Neris Hughes to pick Simon Rouse. I think it would be a disservice to Simon Rouse to pick out... I mean, Mary Morris next week is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, Richard Todd, movie star. I, I actually think he has the... Uh, uh, his part gets less interesting as it as it goes on, but it, it sort of needs to, but it needs that presence to be diluted. And as I say, he did have quite a lot of good stuff cut in episode one. Um, but... Yes, please. The guest cast is my choice. So let's see what Dara has chosen for episode one. So in episode one, um, this is really one of the first Doctor Who stories that um, really explores and accesses the world through the eyes of the companion. This is something that we see uh, later with characters like Ace and Rose, and it's become one of the mainstays of the modern show. But this is one of the first times we see it um, through the journey of Tegan into the dark places of the inside. Uh, so uh, the dark places of the inside, the companion's point of view. He's a writer, you see. I suppose I'm a writer as well, but I often forget that. <laughs> uh, see, these things, one is supposed to, it's a podcast. This is, this is supposed to be an advertisement for my skills. I'm a Sony Award nominated writer. I'm, somebody who's written some stuff and sort of got away with it. Uh, Dara has a television series and all sorts uh, but that's yeah that's very the companion's point of view it is quite modern in that regard isn't it I think I think the other thing I, I potentially would have chosen I wouldn't have gone from that although it's a very good observation um, uh, I, 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 I might have gone for the for the dream sequences just because I found them so stark and memorable and because they're so unusual um, and they, they aren't in the next episode as much again a lot of those were cut um, episodes one and two overrun quite seriously and then episode four as we shall see suddenly has a couple of scenes to come from nowhere of um, Tegan and Adric uh, well we we will see um, so I don't get a point for that I think that's a really interesting perspective that Dara has chosen 
um, which means that he is currently winning 1-0 and he does have the power of life and death over me in this podcast. Well, welcome everybody to the dark places of the inside of my house. Uh, Dara Carville, writer of ITV's hit, The Bay. I tell you what, you may be pretty low rent with the host of this podcast, but the guests uh, are A-list. So thanks to Dara for for doing this um, and for choosing Kinder, which I'm now watching on Blu-ray because I remembered halfway through... Uh, watching episode one that uh, I could put my DVD away. So I'm going to go to episode selection, part two. This is going to be the first time, because I have this Blu-ray box set, but I've watched the extras, but I haven't watched the uh, the the episodes in question. Uh, I wanted to save them for a special occasion. So here we are, my first time of watching the Blu-ray of Kinder, part two. And I am going to press play in three, two... One, there we go, it's made a grinding noise, wheezing groaning noise made by my Blu-ray player. Uh, And here we are, part two of Kinder. Um, Dara chose the fact that it's from the companion's point of view for part one, so I can see when I choose that performance or that scene, he might be going... Uh, a little bit uh, further under the surface or uh, a little bit more from an intellectual standpoint, which I like. I mean, I have to say um, one of the joys of this podcast is to see how everybody's love for Doctor Who exhibits itself in a different way. Christopher Bailey, the writer of this, was for years uh, a sort of mystery man, and he still hasn't done an awful lot. I don't think he's done many conventions or anything, but and I know they had to Doctor Who magazine had to work hard to track him down for interviews, um, and and they they got him for these DVDs. Um, well, he reminds me actually a bit of the, in the way that he speaks of, of Peter Harness, who wrote uh, Kill the Moon and various uh, other new series episodes, as, who's a fine writer and another interesting man and a. And, and, a, and a great mind uh, but yeah they're, they're, they have similar mouths and ways of expressing themselves um, so here we are and the t- oh the TSS machine music was uh, was on Doctor Who the music volume 2 which which was my which was my disco album of choice it was the it was, it was the only album I had uh, Mary Morris what a fabulous face she has and physicality and a wonderful voice isn't she an extraordinary actress uh and she uh she looks fabulous and she sounds brilliant and she does she does the uh blind acting extremely well um and and i believe lived in switzerland and had built her own house there uh and and drove in a knackered old Land Rover to come and do Doctor Who. Bless her. Uh, and she's brilliant in The Prisoner. She's the number two in The Dance of Death, where she has a wonderful mocking feline quality. She's in A for Andromeda, but she's a, a magnificent actress. And I think a rather wonderful, uh, 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 charismatic, sapphic, um, wiry, uh, cat 
lady. Yeah, I love her. I, oh, I bet she was great, but also terribly terrifying. Um, but she's she's wonderful in this. Uh, and these sorts of mystical parts can be either very, very boring or, or yeah, boring, tedious, sometimes very yawnable uh, uh, or just really sincere. Um, but she she pitches it absolutely brilliantly and then you've got i mean even where the casting is not a hundred percent successful but i don't know if i don't know if that's the case with adrian mills um or if we impose that upon him afterwards i remember aris being perfectly um convincing at the time but he's adrian mills he's a sort of he's the sort of person you expect to see fronting a portaloo info marshal uh <laughs> Because he was a he kept, went on to be a presenter of That's Life, where they I remember them showing the clip from episode four of this with the snake and everyone laughing and it uh, upsetting my teenage self. Um, but but even he, as as some of the extras do as well, um, went on to greater things. In fact, every single member of the cast and some of the uncredited cast has something you know has has done something outside of this that's remarkable. With the Exception, I'd say, of poor old Sarah Prince's Karuna there, who is excellent, uh, and I think who would have d definitely deserved to do more. Um, now, I'm sure, did I teach myself this trick? You can do it, where you you flick the stick, stick the coin in the folds of your, uh, of 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 between your thumb and your 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 your, your forefinger. Um, I could do it with a 5p coin. It thrills children at parties. Um, but I find it's really oddly played, the way that the, the Doctor now goes, oh, of course, when Adric does that, it's behind your ear thing. But um, but but no, because he doesn't go, oh, yes, it's a sleight of hand or anything like that. He, he's reacting as if, yes, it's behind the ear. Or that, that's definitely how I took it uh, as, as a younger viewer. And I... You know, I never liked the suggestion of magic within Doctor Who. So it's, it's, it's oddly played. And I think in a story that is mysterious enough as it is, um, Neris Hughes is fantastic, isn't she? Cool, intelligent. Um, everything's plausible in her hands. Uh, she plays it with absolute sincerity, straightforwardness. Um, I, I totally buy her as a, as a, as a, as a scientist, uh, and I, and I love her relationship with, with Davison. And the little bits of twinkle that she gives as well. So she's very serious and plausible, but she, as an actress, she has a, a, a lightness of touch that just keeps it, you know, that sprinkles it with, with, with wit. But it's sincere wit. It's not, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's never any suggestion that it's not being taken seriously. But she is a witty person. These uh, pith helmets are great. They obviously, you know, suggest... Uh, the British Empire thing going on there, which, you know, there are interesting things to be said about that. And, and, and I quite like it being spoofed in that sort of slightly ripe Richard Todd sort of thing than the sort of um, very po-faced prime directive business you, you sometimes get. Um, uh, although that's, you know, still saying very interesting um, things. I, 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 I think there's an element of satire in the way that that this is done and you know the idea that what does what does sander say if they're so clever why didn't they build their spaceship and come and colonize us which is the sort of bullying logic of the uh, oppressor um and and of course 
they are so clever, but they're so clever they've learnt that, you know, building space, you can go as far away as you like, but you don't sort out the problems uh, in in here. Uh, you know, you can you can do all the technological advancements and all the exploring uh, 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 way out there that you like, but actually to get real happiness and to get real, um, to find real paradise, uh, you need to clear up what's 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 going on in there. Um, and I, I remember this. I remember this video effect. I was at my grandparents when I watched this. I seem to recall, because um, I because I remember saying to my granddad, "Oh, you know her about Tegan," and I was going to say, "You know her. She is Australian." Um, uh, uh, my granddad went, "No, no, no!" But I know her, and pointed at Neris Hughes. So she was at Neris Hughes was well known in in my household and my extended uh, household. Um, um, and that's the the. I think the other interesting thing. This is so relevant for our child. The 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 very interesting thing of of that Hindle is obviously bullied, and fragile, and in need of help, and he's given power and he's given authority, and he abuses it and he becomes despot and he becomes dangerous, and I think that's that's that's. That speaks to our time because I think we like to think, oh, if somebody is a victim, um, you know, tr treat them well, give the, give give them, you know, stop stop them being the oppressed, uh, and they will behave nicely. Except, except, of course, we all have despots within us, even those of us that who have at times felt in a minority or felt bullied or felt like we don't have a voice. Who's to say we wouldn't be just as bad as the people that have been awful to us? And often for very good reasons. You know, his reasons are that he is broken and he is trying to c control the chaos um, and to do it according to the manual. Um, uh, 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 and, uh, yeah, he wants to, He, you know, he, he's, 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 he's worried about the things... It's, it's so brilliantly done, actually, the, the idea that he sees the jungle as a sort of th threat and it's... Uh, uh it, it's it's a rendition of the of, of of the sort of overgrowth of his mind all the tendrils wrapping around his brain uh and he does it so well and they deal with him very well too uh and and he's oh I, the, the the way that he does all of this stuff this is i really like this because it's it's not got the it's not got the rantiness to it which as i say was in, is important in, in establishing he's dangerous but I, I, I like the way that he's, you know, he's got this t tenuous grip of command and he thinks he's absolutely, he's absolutely, what he's doing is absolutely normal. Um, and, and he's actually rather sad. And it's such a, it's such a great, it's one of the great performances in, in Doctor Who. And I think it's certainly the, the most convincing, you know, unstable base commander, of which there have been many. Uh, I think this is a cut above all of them. Um, and you know he's the threat at the moment. He's the story. We don't really know what's going on with Tegan, and we don't know what the Kinder are all about. The 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 immediate danger to the Doctor is a, a madman without a box. <laughs> um, and and da yeah, Davison treats it with exactly the right level of sort of tentative 
nervousness and tr trying to understand uh and I, and as i say this this is really this is about mental health isn't it this is about you know and and, and what's about to happen to, to to sanders who who stays in the end spoilers um and and you know he that everybody needs a sort of reset and i see that now i see that in the world there are a lot of people uh, and I, I've sort of used this lockdown. Um, I, I often say, I, I, you know, I have wasps in my head, uh, and uh, uh, and and I used to drink quite heavily in order to stop the wasps buzzing. But of course, then you wake up and the, the groggy wasps start to wake up again, and they're groggy, and so instead of they they start to sting you because they're really annoyed, uh, and it starts the circle again. And I think this idea of 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 a, you know, the box that that clears your head, that that sucks the wasps out, or you know, stops the noise. And uh, I mean, I I find with modern life, I think that's that that's something we could we could all do with a little bit of a sort of reset, which is what the 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 box of jhana is really, isn't it? It's the one that that has the those. The, those people, the kinder, beckoning you towards a simpler uh, life of being more in touch with nature, and rather than the, all the sort of technology and the special protective dome and the uh, and the manuals and the rule books that we surround ourselves with to make sense of our lives, actually they're all things that that give us um, obligations and that, and, that, and that give us protocols and that. And that, that give us straitjackets that 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 actually don't help to stop uh, you know give any clarity upstairs really what gives you clarity is is nature is is not the emergency rations it's the apple it's the it's the fruit from the land it's the fresh air it's the communing with nature uh and i think this is as relevant now where, where mental health uh is you know very much at the at the forefront and um you know I, I i know a lot of teenagers i've got two boys 16 and, and 20 and and for young people mental health issues are are very 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 tricky um uh and and you know what's going on in their heads is sort of a a, a battle for control and dominance rather like what's going on here with with tegan and obviously this is done you know very much a lot of this is sort of tricks of the mind and you know there's an obvious you know evil guy and a pull between good and evil um but what it's saying is the danger is not because because it's about it's a buddhist parable isn't it and in buddhism there are no evil baddie monsters that the that the evil is a manifestation of what's what's inside your own head uh, you know, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself, and that, and that the things we do in our mind are, are 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 the real causes of our own sort of despair, uh, and the Mara is a manifestation of that. And as I get older, uh, I I find that more and more compelling, actually, uh, and it's an extraordinarily clever um, thing for Doctor Who to be taking on. And I know they there's talk now that. I saw something on a forum, somebody saying, oh, I, I hope they, they look at um, Yaz's mental health issues a bit more in, in next year's Doctor Who. And so it seems very modern that that's the sort of thing that modern Doctor Who would 
would be very interested in in sort of tackling and a monster as a manifestation of of uh abject mental health is very much a story for our time so it'd be interesting to see how this would play to a modern audience because i think it plays with a lot of modern preconceptions and the the voices in our heads and the pressures from the the, the outside and the the higgledy piggledy um and you know yeah we we you know we we look yeah i mean the jungle i mean the jungle could almost be <laughs> you know social media creeping in seeking you know seeking uh well we'll because we, we do i mean i i spend so much time on social we seek validation don't we we seek validation from the very thing that then causes us disquiet and actually i know if i went off social media i would probably have a much better time of it but social media with every like with every retweet with every uh reply from somebody I, 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 whose work I admire or or somebody who's liked something I've done gives me the validation that I seek but of course those things uh, actually do not d do not actually they're, they're snakes they do not give us what we want they actually fit they feed the beast but uh, it's a beast that's never satisfied um uh, uh I th yeah, I think that's fair comment. Or am I disappearing up my own fundament? I hope not. Um, I'm just just I hadn't thought about this until I, you know, until watching this this now that those things, those things have struck me, um, uh, and I think I and I think it's because I I think I've it's it's rather brave. Um, decision to to examine the real uh, ramifications of of when mental health because yeah when i was a boy i was beaten every day now you see uh, you know that, that seems such an old-fashioned thing and so obviously daft when i was a boy i was beaten every day and you'd hear people from my grandparents generation say it but now i find myself as a parent going well why well why don't uh, they should sort themselves out we, we, we you know we don't we, we we shouldn't indulge some of the, the the sort of modern fragilities but that's probably the current equivalent of that so i'm doing exactly the circle the circle, the wheel turns and i make the same mistakes but with different parameters but it's the same arguments probably as that generation made because we don't understand uh that the, the problems besetting people 20 25 years younger than us because because we don't but just because but it's almost like it's almost like we're wanting to legalize revenge isn't it just because just because we had to put up with certain things that we now look at as being cruel and unfair think well why shouldn't the next generation well that is that to do them any good it's or is it just because we did that we want them to as well uh, <laughs> wheel turns um But of course, uh, yes, uh, this is this is a lovely reveal. As I say, it loses something slightly. Oh, you can see a camera. Look, look to the right. You can see a BBC camera on a on a on a trolley, uh, in in the bottom corner there. 
Um, and this is a this is a lovely transformation. Richard Todd, I know, had wanted to play this for comedy. There was a there was a big thick old tome called Doctor Who: The Unfolding Text, uh, and it was advertised in Doctor Who magazine for an absolute fortune. Uh, and I so I could never buy it. And then I found it in a university library years later, and I didn't realise it was it's a huge academic book with footnotes and all sorts of stuff and uh, very highfalutin concepts and words. But they they look at the production of Kinder a little bit, and I'm sure they spoke to Todd in that, and he'd he'd expected to um, to uh, because Doctor Who in say season seventeen had been very you know high comedy, and and the guest stars had had fun by chewing the scenery. Uh, I think he'd expected to come in and, and, and do a sort of slightly comedic turn. And then he got confronted with the quite terse and very serious director, Peter Grimwade, who's a brilliant director, but um, uh, uh, not necessarily, I think, the most... He gets good performances, though, but I, d I don't think the most touchy-feely with the actors. But I think um, still, no, 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 it's, you have to play it completely seriously. Um, although, as I said, it's still a bit of a, a, bit of a type but uh, but it works. Uh, it's it's pitched right. Um, but you could see how he might have played it as a as a sort of huge, slightly OTT caricature. Um, see the levels in this this jungle set are pretty good. The raised bits and the the, the, the painted backdrop has enough in front of it that it doesn't it, it doesn't look pony. And you've got a, and the perspective is decent on it. And of course, Eve is throwing apples at Adam in the Garden of Eden lovely bit of symbolism uh and it's interesting i was w w wondering if one of the things i would choose would be janet fielding because she uh gets to do something so different but then then i remember the last time i saw this actually evil tegan is only in about a scene and a half and i seem to recall seeing as this is one of the stories that's um described as tegan's best i've got a feeling in episode three there's one shot of her lying on the ground and that's it she gets her ep fee for that she just says i always have a thing about ep fees where if an if an actor dies in a in a in an american series but they're back next week as a, as a corpse you know so that somebody can say i'm sorry john i'm gonna i'm gonna avenge you i always go oh that's nice ep fee uh, because you have to get you have to get paid by the episode um but she does do uh, a, 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 a good job here. And um, I believe she tried to, she'd wanted to be a bit more sort of sensual and, uh, tempt, you know, tempting. It's all about the temptation. That's what forbidden fruit is, isn't it? Uh, and, 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 you know, in the dark place of her mind, Ducker is, uh, is, is, is tempting her. Um, although it's, 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 I mean, I, I, I think you could have, uh, you, you know longer and more intricate and more morally testing dream sequences now where where perhaps tegan rather than i mean she she agrees to duck her in this because she, he basically bullies and tricks her into it whereas i i, I wonder if a, a slight element of temptation might have made her a bit more complicit in her crossing over to the dark side, you, you might be much slightly more morally complex now. That's not that's not a criticism. That's just a just an observation. Now, uh, she's she's great here, and that 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 and yes, and I remember all it and and yeah, that sort of cutting there. Although Aris for a for a uh, 
for for somebody who has you know lives is is a product of nature and who lives off the land he's got a lot of fillings that's again the last time i watched this as well i said one of the main things i came away with was uh, adrian mills has got a lot of fillings um but yes and he's and they do that simple trick with the uh with the with the red mouthwash or whatever and he he actually does a decent job i feel a bit for adrian mills i think perhaps because he has another association for me as the slightly cheesy that's life presenter and they were supposed to be slightly cheesy i'm not being pejorative of him at all and he seems he seems like a lovely chap every time i've seen him interviewed um but because he's got the slightly cheesy TV presenter vibe going on, I, uh, so I'd be interested to see what uh, listeners think of uh, uh, Adrian Mills's performance if they don't know him for, from anything else. Um, now we're coming to the end of the episode, and I've got to choose uh, something. I mean, I'm, it's, it all comes back to Simon Rouse, but I have chosen the cast, so I don't think. I don't think I can specifically choose Simon Rose. I love this cliffhanger, though, and, and the way that the camera keeps going slightly further and further in. Grimway's use of the camera is absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, and this cliffhanger is superb. Look at that. Um, and it doesn't cheat next week either. Um, and the way that that built to a climax was absolutely superb. Um, oh, it's a difficult one to choose... What will be my thing? I mean, Janet, Janet Fielding does deserve a a, a a nod for her work, even though it is only really it's that one scene really where she. Uh, but it's nice to get uh, to see a companion actor um, display their chops, as it were. But now I know we're not going to have another. I know we're not going to have another dream sequence. And although I think the ones in episode one are, well, there are more of them, um, I, I, I do think it has to be applauded um, because of because of because of its ambition in in trying to, you know, that that threat it depicts in those dream sequences is is not a literal threat. It's it's doing something totally different um and they're very well staged and and they're they're lit well and and they're i mean i remember them at the time even though as i say i didn't necessarily particularly grasp what was what was going on and i think for what they represent as i said as i said earlier i think they could they would perhaps be now a bit more you know have have more morally gray areas in the interaction and perhaps you know tegan would be a bit more com complicit in her own downfall um, and she would perhaps be tempted by something. Um, but I think because there's nothing much like them in the, the classic series, not even in Snake Dance, which, you know, is the is the sister production to this. That's still much more literal. I think, the uh, yeah, I think I have to say the dream sequences um, just because I think they're a brave attempt at doing something different. And I think they're largely, largely pulled off. So that's my choice for episode two 
What's Darigo to choose? And that line, the dark places of the inside, brings me to another of the things I love about this story, which is its language. It's full of these lines of dialogue that glint like uh, jewels. So I'd like to pick out a few of those. In episode two, when the Mara first possesses the Kinda Aris and he's given voice for the first time, the first thing he says is, all things are possible. And that's a line that stuck in my head in 1982, and it's been there ever since. There are these lines from this show that I kind of turn over in my head all the time, like earworms. There's another one in episode three. Ah, okay. Well, I think episode th that's him leading us into episode three, uh, which so I can't hear the rest of that. Um, uh, or it'll be an earworm playing for me as I, I watch it, and it will give, give away... Uh, his choice for episode three so his choice for episode two is the language uh yeah and there are some great uh lines in there um i'd sort of got in the back of my head that some of the language for 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 episode three but he's he's thrown forward to that whilst choosing it as his thing for episode two um which is very clever of him all things are possible except uh for me i think to get any of the things my guest is going to choose about uh kinder but it's an interesting journey and he's being uh, very insightful and uh i'm finding this i'm now full of regret um that i think i went off on one about mental health rather than talking about the specifics of a doctor who story but that's because even when you do something that's supposed to be light and disposable and entertaining like this I then go to bed and I replay over and over the things I wish I'd said and the wish things I wish I hadn't said. Uh, uh, and uh, it's almost like the dark places of my inside are manifesting themselves uh, in a horrible snake-like way. Uh, <laughs> who would have thunk it? Um, well, there we go. That's what I thought of Kinder Part 2. And that's all this is supposed to be. And so that was that on this particular occasion. So I don't know if that was what you wanted, but it's what you got. Uh, if if you didn't like it, you can, uh, next time I walk past you uh, and you're sitting up a tree, you can throw apples at me. I think you'll find. 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 Well, it has been pointed out to me that I think we'll all find that the album I refer to that has the TSS machine music on is just Doctor Who the Music, Volume 1, not Volume 2. Where I got Volume 2 from, I've no idea, because I never got Volume 2. I only ever had Volume 1. Oh, the memory cheats. Also, I don't mention in this entire commentary, nor in the next two episodes, so don't wait for it, the whole malarkey about the rumours going round that it was Kate Bush who wrote Kinder, because nobody ever found Christopher Bailey till many, many years later. And there's various bits of symbolism that reminded people of Kate Bush's work. You'd have thought that would have killed five minutes. But then again, I don't really talk much about colonialism either. So um, you get what you pay for in this, and, and sometimes you don't. Anyway... Doctor Who the Music Volume 1 is the record to which I refer, um, and not Doctor Who the Music Volume 2, or indeed The Hounds of Love, or Cloud Busting, or um, The Best of Kate Bush, and all those other records.
Well, welcome to the jungle. It's part three of Kinder. Uh, Dara Carville uh, is our illustrious guest. I'm grateful to him for choosing such a fascinating story. Um, there's no way I can be as interesting as the story itself, but I shall try my very best. And I hope you are enjoying either discovering it, rediscovering it, or perhaps reassessing it in light of this uh, chat that uh, uh, I'm going to uh, provide you with over the next 25 minutes or so after we've all pressed play. I am on the Blu-ray in three, two, one, go. Phew, right. Um, I mean, I was quite mean about Twitter um, in the last episode, but actually Twitter is the reason I know uh, our illustrious guest, who, lest we forget, is a top TV writer and executive producer who has created his own series uh, uh, that has just been commissioned for a third. What an achievement. ITV, prime time. It's been massively streamed all over the place. He's a guest on this podcast because when I was doing my Who's Round podcast, he offered to put me in touch or try to put me in touch with the actor Sean Caffrey. Uh, who played Lord, Lord Palmerdale in Horror of Fang Rock, but sadly Sean was poorly and, and actually uh, died that year. Um, uh, but we, Dara and I, met up for a drink and had a bit of a chat and then, and sort of kept in touch, you know, online um, and then bumped into each other um, at a promenade theatre production in uh, Lancaster uh, one Christmas a few years ago and I realised he lived uh, he lived actually not too far from me. Um so, of course, I asked him to do this. But, yes, we would not know each other were it not for an initial Twitter chat. Uh, uh, so I know it sometimes seems like there's a load of Doctor Who fans who all meet up in a Doctor Who, who work in, in, the, in the industry, all meet up and don't want to talk to any other Doctor Who fans. It's just absolute pure coincidence uh, that... Uh, on my friends list is somebody who's done done extremely well for themselves uh whilst i hang around in obscure corners of the internet trying to be interesting about every single second of doctor who including this part three of kinder which has that brilliant it doesn't cheat that scream from neris hughes was absolutely right uh, uh and and brilliantly done and filmed at the end of of part two and then continues for the payoff uh, here, which is entirely in keeping with what we'd seen before, um, and then the do- I would love the way the Doctor deadpans absolutely nothing. He does a sort of co- cod comedy thing uh, uh, to to prick um, the, 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 the 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 bubble of uh, of uh, Hindle's threat and authority. And Simon Rouse's to turn the lights on is is, is brilliant, and it, this gets very atmospheric. Hindle is scared. Um, uh, the, the the doctor and uh, Todd see what's in the box, which of course does nothing in the box apart from clarity um, and th- the Kinder and Mary Morris beckoning. Um, now the Kinder are an interesting bunch. Here's an observation. So this is yes, this is what uh, they are seeing in their mind's eye that will take them to. Again, the stuff that I, as a, as a kid, I didn't really uh, understand, and it doesn't, it, it it doesn't go out of its way to explain itself, either. 
Um, I wonder if it could do with a few more lines of explanation or whether the fact that it makes you work hard is is actually part and the parcel of what it's doing and should, you know, we we complain when stuff is spoon-fed to us. Um, he's got real tears coming out of his eyes there, Richard Todd. Proper actor. Very, very good. Um, bless him. Look at that. And that. Uh, look at that. That's such a wonderful piece of acting. Um, I love this urgency with the door. Uh, this, this, I've mentioned it before about, but the way they tell, she pours. That's great because all of that stuff is potentially very clunky. It has to be done continuous in the studio. They're just leaving a building. They're leaving a dome, but it's Doctor Who, so it has to have some jeopardy to it. So, and and you do sort of if you're confronted with a door closing, you go, oh, what am I doing? The Doctor's seen many a door nearly closing. The others have to jump and get out. And I love that dynamic. Uh, that they've got going on and it's just those little bits that can rescue um you know clunky egress and awkward staging and movement in a you know comparatively small sets um you don't have to worry about that sort of thing when you're making television now so much um because it's not as it's not as continuous but it's stuff that you needed classy and experienced and technically minded actors to do uh their relationship is absolutely brilliant. Um, these two, he's um, the Davison Doctor's got a thing about live events because I like his relationship with Polly James in uh, the Awakening as well, who was also like Nerys Hughes in a series called The Liver Birds, uh, which my mother knew and talked of. Uh, uh, a, a sitcom comedy sitcom. Um, well, that's Todd wiping his eyes there. Um, now, Adric, of course, has these funny relationships with um, people in, in, in power because um, he does it with Monarch in For to Doomsday, um, the story immediately before this, where he's he's not kidding. He, I don't think he genuinely... He genuinely thinks that Monarch has the right ideas um, and, and is a bit of a twit. Uh, and he's sort of doing the same thing here. He says, but he's—I think the impression is that he's—he's inveigling his way into into Hindle's trust in order to, you know, have an have an angle on what's going on. But Adric does have the habit of of getting into trouble, um, and I think we were supposed to identify that and find it endearing. And I'm 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 not sure that was always the case. Um, it's. He's so good. He's so good. And, and yes, and of course, because he's not. I was, in fact, interesting. I was thinking that that Hindle was is was was always quite ranty, but he's not at all. He's 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 now sort of got that childlike hope of of keeping the outside away. And of course, you know, yeah, you know, there is something childish about um, fear. You know, uh, even when it's manifested by you know, grown-up politicians or, you know, military people or whatever, you know, adults ad adults expressing themselves and their paranoias. There is something very childlike, but, you know, childish and childlike at the core. There's Johnny Lee Miller again, film star Johnny Lee Miller. Now, the kinder, yes, indeed, because... Oh, and this is Lee Corns as the trickster. Um... And it's funny, I'm sure I read something somewhere about a studio report. It may have been in the unfolding text again. Um, 
but it, it may have been somewhere else where where Lee Corns got annoyed with Peter Grimwade or vice versa, or there was a bit of a problem. He didn't feel like he was getting enough direction, or and and I remember reading that and thinking, but hang on, he, he he's in Doctor Who. He's what what he he should just be happy. The idea that as as an actor you could get frustrated on the studio floor and 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 uh, 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 and, and as a relatively small part actor be annoyed with the director. I didn't understand how those dynamics uh, occurred at all. Um, I, I do know, and I think Lee Corns does a does a great job, and uh, he he became something of uh, uh, a, a sort of TV regular. He was always cropping up in small parts in Blackadder and. Uh, he's he's even in the Doctor Who sketch in the Lenny Henry show. Lenny Henry does a, I think, a rather fun Doctor Who sketch. The only bit that annoyed me when he said was when he said Perry, this is a children's program. But uh, Lee Lee Corns is the sort of the scruffy Earthman who who helps them uh, uh, and gets left behind. He goes, oi, 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 what about me? Um, uh, but he was he was in all sorts of comedy stuff. Uh, Lee Corns and then became a regular in Grange Hill for ages and ages and ages. Uh, so he's had, he's, yeah, but he was very much an 80s face, a bit like Mark Arden and Danny Peacock and a lot of those guys who were, who, who, who were the sort of, um, yeah, regular comedy character actors in things. Uh, I always rather fancied that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a career, you know, that being, being that guy that you sort of went, oh, it's him again. Um, uh, so I was, but, but I, but I hadn't realized that at the time because I think, he probably wasn't quite that yet. Uh, and then when I, you know, realised who Lee Corns was, it was only then looking back over Cassius, go, oh, and he's the guy. And I'd remembered the character. Um, and it's, it's another sort of nice addition to the, uh, to the, to the, to the cast and another member of the cast who, you know, has, you know, who, who generates headlines in the, uh, interesting observation in in the cast observer um which is a newspaper that um only i read and write and she's just walked past there glenn murphy off of london's burning who is dibber in the trial of a time lord the mysterious planet who uh went on to be in london's burning is uncredited in this he is an extra in this uh who is an obe now listen up i contend off the top of my head so don't write in is this the Doctor Who story with the most um, honoured, as in terms of honours from Her Majesty the Queen, guest cast? Because also at the back there, you can see Graham Cole, another Bill alumnus, uh, sir, who plays PC Tony Stamp in the Bill for years and years and years, who is another sort of, he's a, he's a different sort of copper. He's the typical sort of stoical, tall, uh, straightforward copper. Um, and and he, who was basically Graham Cole? He was an extra who got promoted because he's an extra in loads of Doctor Who's. Uh, he's Melka, um, uh, and he's a Kinder. And but he went on to I think you know be you know policeman two lines in the bill and gradually got given more and more to do. And he's done loads of charity work. So he is an OBE. Glenn Murphy, who went on to be in London's Burning, is an uh, Burning is an OBE. And Richard Todd was a CBE. I'm surprised Richard Todd didn't get knighted, actually. I don't know who he uh, annoyed because he was a film star, Oscar nominee, uh, and uh, uh, he was always doing something like dial, dial M for murder, dial M for murder at the Theatre Royal Bath. Uh, he was, but, you know, he was, a, he was a genuine movie star, Todd, and a war hero. I mean, his war 
record is astonishing and um uh i don't know if it will be out yet but if it's not one of my indefinable magics is about the war records of doctor who actors and todd was you know involved in in some uh quite important battles and and had a you know and was a senior officer um involved in some quite important moments of the second world war um and uh you know without such people um the world might be in a more parlous state than it is um but anyway uh, even though he wasn't knighted um richard palethorpe todd i think he was called i think he is uh, of good stock he's he, rather sadly though i think he had two sons who committed suicide bless which must be oh dear how terribly sad um uh but anyway, yeah, Todd. I, I, I once, I once was, um, I once was driven to a location by a driver once, and they they quite often give me, oh well, I've driven all sorts in this. I remember somebody saying that they had, they picked Todd up, you know, quite late in his life. He'd agreed to do something, but it was, you know, you've got to pick me up from a front door and drop me back. He said Todd was an absolute delight, what a charming man. I like the thing about. I don't know how the seven fathers things works. I mean, presumably, you you don't need seven to to create the biological spark because otherwise there'd be all sorts of who goes first um but I, I presume it's to do with the upbringing but uh perhaps we shouldn't perhaps we shouldn't go into that but um uh i i, I love these uh, scenes that are totally carried by by simon rouse who is who is as i say it's it's the commit he commits to it there's nothing coy about it and i think you absolutely have to do that um uh and, and and grimwade knows where to point the camera as well grimwade is a very very good director at ratcheting up the tension knowing how to the speed of which to cut where the camera lands what the framing is uh, and, and 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 i and i think we don't necessarily equate those sorts of directors with being good actors directors now i don't know whether it's just that he's very good at casting and so lets the actors get on with it because I've, I've i have interviewed some actors who who found him either not particularly helpful or a bit standoffish, or and I think he was quite testy and quite prissy, and and perhaps quite quite he could be quite tricky. I think if you weren't on his wavelength, and he, and I think he was so intelligent that uh, you know he didn't have time to explain stuff to actors who wanted to you know stare at their navel or whatever. So I don't know if he just cast well and knew that he could uh, let them uh, get on with it, or whether you know good intelligent actors know that that's what the director is doing and so they trust him because he's clearly doing good work and he doesn't need them to sort of sh they don't need him to sh they don't need him to be shepherded through by him but whatever he's a great technical dramatic storytelling director who also gets very very good performances from his cast um uh and 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 this this is great this day i mean it's at the expense of the doctor which is which is interesting uh, interesting box, Toby. Um, uh, in that, you know, the Doctor, uh, the Doctor's what is it? He's the he's the man that's wise enough to know that he's stupid. Um, and, and I like the fact that he sort of goes along with it and takes it, and that and that uh, Todd Darius Hughes finds it so amusing. And look at the lighting in this. And I was I was quite very pleased when um, Mary Morris came out of the cave. That you, it looked like. It might be quite small, but actually it was quite big around her. But I, I love all of um, that. This, this 
this music, um, which wasn't on the music record that I had, bizarrely, because it's great. It's really ominous, and it is about the wheel turning, and she... Uh, now you need to be a certain kind of actor to get away with this stuff and she does it brilliantly and look at the lighting that green lighting is superb um who is the lighting director i must double check that because having said that the jungle lighting you know is is on a hiding to nothing this this cave lighting here this green stuff is brilliant this shot of her is superb but you know you need an actor like uh, i i understand uh, you know, I can see that there's very good acting in some of the, the, you know, some modern television where it's much quieter, less sort of classically influenced and, and it's people mumbling sadly about you know, being on benefits or, or, or whatever. And I understand the importance of that and I, and I know it's vital stuff. And I, you know, I do like a, I, I, I do like a, a, a social drama, but the stuff that speaks to me, is the stuff where you get where you get somebody talking about wheels turning and you know civilizations falling and doing it with contained a contained apocalypse <laughs> is there a, is there a is there a is 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 there another form of the word apocalypse you can do something apocalyptically can contained apocalypsism <laughs> can you have that uh uh but you know so yes whilst whilst uh, you know whilst whilst you know low-key kitchen sink socially aware dramas with very naturalistic performances uh are, are to be admired the the ones that have me acting in my bedroom and thinking about and getting nourished by my meat and drink if you like is this stuff that is you know slightly shakespearean because to me it 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 takes me beyond the confines of our of our current world it it it, it, it takes me a window into a world that is that is bigger and bolder and scarier and 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 yet more uh, enriching and terrifying and all those sorts of things I, it's just more to get your teeth into um uh and these you know these huge battles between um you know world ending concepts um and this is an and and i i i i, I is, is this is there a moment here where she said when she does the what are you and it's and it's like a and it's like a sort of lightning bolt it's absolutely extraordinary um and I, and I love her sort of you know she's she's a feared but she's also oh, this uh, yeah and the way that she does that it ends and then she says ends again uh she she is uh, mary morris is absolutely extraordinary she she was the sort of actor that was made ah, love the way she does that what are you and the music really helps as well that 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 sting that sharp sting like a like a cobra spitting uh, an electronic cobra, but uh, nonetheless, um, and you know, yeah, it is a load of loincloth extras in front of her. They haven't even got uh, any depth of field in that show. You know, it's just it's that, that that they've just given up with that set, really. You know, the the the, the whiteness beyond. There's there's uh, 
you know, it's 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 a bit like being in the theatre. The set immediately around the actors is giving the impression, and you just have to you just have to imagine the rest of it. Oh, I used to, and on my video of this, uh, just as just as it got to the climax of this bit, uh, the video jumped, and so it sort of ruined the clip because I always imagined doing clip compilations to, to do the rounds to show everybody how brilliant Doctor Who was. Um, oh, she's so good. She's so good. Um, and and it is. It's yeah. So what what she's doing here? This this peculiar, another. It's another peculiar sequence coming up, um, and 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 about the inevitability of um, destruction uh, if we're left to our own devices. And of course, all of these things, this dome with its explosives and that, and even the suit that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Adric puts around him the the TSS machine, the the suit that, of course, he cannot control. Um, so what he uses to protect himself actually becomes something very destructive. It all it all sort of ties in. Um, this music is terrific as well, and I mean this 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 sequence. I know there are some people who 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 think this sequence is the the best thing in all of Doctor Who. It is. It is. It is again quite a, an extraordinary and strange thing and of course that explains why that that backdrop is is just clear white because you need it you need it to have this uh this funny sort of goo video effect that they walk through um and here we go uh and uh, so oh you can another shot of glenn glenn murphy there so the poor kinder having to mull about and it's interesting because i i used to sometimes think back in the day oh those those clocks date it but of course only the clocks that we see as modern clocks date it because uh uh uh, uh, uh the egg timer the metronome the the sundial they don't date it because they're from the the past it's only that that uh that 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 clock with with the uh i, I can't remember we've actually got one a bit like that with the uh the the, the uh, where it what's it called it doesn't matter you know the clock i mean the one where it flips uh round uh, and I, I think i was quite self-conscious about going that well well that, that dates it. it it's uh because because it looked modern then but they all they all look a little bit old-fashioned um i suppose it would be nice now perhaps what we need to do with the cgi modern cgi version is to put a few few more modern clocks on some of the plinths but isn't it extraordinary how all this is is a series of different timepieces on stock Roman columns, because um, of course you know a candle isn't dated, um, uh, and and a few extras and a bit of smoke, um, and a man from that's life laughing and an alarm clock, uh, and yet it it signifies the end of everything. Um, what a cliffhanger that would have been but uh they they go they they go for the they go for they go for the slightly more literal one which uh, uh, am i remembering it wrong did john nathan turner said you can't end on the dream you have to end a, a bit later if not uh I, I might be wrong on that um but i i think this is a slightly enforced cliffhanger but i actually think that's probably a slightly better choice um 
because I think ending on a dream sequence is a bit bold for uh, early 80s Doctor Who. I'd be a bit bold now, I think. Um, what a strange and beguiling thing it is. It really is strange, isn't it? Um, and I can sort of understand why it's not to everybody's taste. But I love it because I, I think that you can see so much in it. Um, and I also think the the bit that should be a bit pony, the the you know the crazy base command a bit is is done so skillfully, um, and 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 the and, and it's got a top director and it's got a top cast and it's got a script that that is asking you questions. Mike Jeffries lighting, well done, uh, Mike Jeffries. Um, you know, a script that is not afraid. You know, to 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 make you question it uh could a line or two have helped maybe maybe not i don't know the fact that uh the fact that i go away thinking about it every time and and i'm not quite confident with this you see i th I think i think i know what i should say and then as i'm saying it i'm going oh i need to listen to this but of course i can't with this podcast so it's it's tricky i think that's good i th i because i'm certainly not i'm not it's not so out there that i, I i'm clueless um and I'm lost, and I'm, I, and, and Davison's very good at selling the urgency and all of that. So it's still, it's still a drama story at its core, and I still think it works with those fundamentals of four-episodic Doctor Who uh, adventure. It's just that not all of it um, is is spoon-fed to us, and I think that's, I think that's to its credit. And now. Dara, he sort of segued into. Uh, I mean, I have to say he's not great. Dara's not great at episode endings here because he's sort of segueing from one to the other, and I'm having to guess where to stop. Um, but he said episode three, having sort of made his point about language with episode two, he started making a language point about episode three, which I think is his segue into episode three. So he's good. He's feeding it through to the next episode. You see, rather than stopping on a cliffhanger but it means that i slightly struggle to know when to stop his points um so he did language for two what's he going to do for three? Oh, what am i going to do for three well i'm gonna sort of roll it all into it i'm, I'm gonna have those those sequences with with panna with the, that that shot where she's doing the mara meat and drink and all of that and that, and that apocalyptic um windy music um and the dream sequence all of that stuff about um that the wheel turning and civilization rising and falling and how that is enunciated in, in a in that sort of doomy fashion by by panna into that dream sequence that she conjures so the the dream sequence but but with a bit of retconning um uh, back to the back to the introduction of it as well with 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 panna's summation of um uh j just how terrible everything is but which is done so gloriously well there's another one in episode three um when panna says the wheel turns civilizations rise the wheel turns civilizations fall now there's been a lot said and written about the ideas in kinder the buddhist and christian um, imagery 
But I think what's most powerful for me is not necessarily the intellectual content of, of the story, interesting though that is, but it's the music of the story and it's the poetry because for me, Kinda is one of the Doctor Who stories that achieves the quality of, of poetry. Ah, well, okay. So the music and the poetry of Kinda, do I get that because of, because of Panna's stuff? I don't think I don't I don't think I can. I mean it doesn't matter. Can I get half a point for that? <laughs> you decide. Um I, I mean it's quite nice if it's not really clear whether um Dara and I are choosing the, the, the same thing. Yeah, it's not clear. I will leave it to the viewers' imagination. You keep questioning whether um <laughs> we were on the same wavelength or not. Uh, I like that though, the poetry of the story and the music and of course the music being in the language um, which which sort of harks back to his point for episode two uh, as well. Uh, I love that episode of Doctor Who. I, I, I really love that stuff in the caves. Um, uh, and I hope you're enjoying this as well. I wonder if it's a story that you like better now than you liked when you were a child. It's certainly the case with me which as i say does sometimes make me ponder and go well you know what's right or well for me it's perfect because i am somebody that revisits doctor who over and over again so it's great for me if i can come back to something and see something different in it and like something more every time i revisit it sometimes i like stories less when i revisit them but that's good because then the next time I go in going, no, I didn't like this as much last time. And I go, oh, no, I like all these things about it. It's great. Um, but that's because I watch Doctor Who too often. Uh, but at least this time, um, I'm talking all the way through it in order to benefit you lot. Well, welcome. It's episode four of Kinder. It's been a bit of a break since I did episode three. I've been thinking about this story in this episode, this forthcoming episode, a lot. Uh, as I record this, we're still in lockdown, and I, I have to confess it's not been the easiest of uh, periods this past couple of weeks or so. Although, in saying that, I'm cautious of this fetishization we have for overly sharing our feelings. Um <laughs> Not because I don't want to hear other people's, but because, uh, well, I don't know. Um, it's but it, you know this story is about mental health issues, so it's but so I suppose I don't know. Look, let's just get into it. But um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm stumbling because I'm slightly conscious. Yeah, I was going to say I'm slightly conscious about how one comes across in these things, but actually if I was that conscious, why would I be dressed like this? If you can't, if you're listening to the podcast, the video comes out a bit later and goes on YouTube. And under normal circumstances, I actually do take care of my appearance. It doesn't work. I look scruffy, but at least I wear a tie and a jacket and a shirt. And uh, if, you're, if you're not watching the video, um, I, I look like I'm just like, Mad Lizzie as played by Lionel from Thundercats. So that should send you scurrying to YouTube, uh, usually a couple of months after the podcast drops. Um, but anyway, um, yes, I've approached this with a bit of trepidation, this one, but I, I need to do it because it needs to go out because I've actually scheduled the first three episodes. Um, so I will try not to be too serious or too sherry or too boring or too sincere. 
because this is a fun Doctor Who podcast. But it is an interesting story. Um, it is Kinder. It is part four. Uh, it has been chosen by Dara Carville. Fantastic writer. Illustrious guest. Thanks to him. And uh, we're actually on, on the Blu-ray uh, in three, two, one, go. I actually pressed select on episode selection. Fact fans. So here we are. I hope you're doing okay. Oh, as I mean, I've generally been okay in 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 lockdown. But I I you know I I have a jolly front, but it's 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 hard earned. <laughs> it's hard fought, shall we say? Um, but I don't think that's I don't um uh, as I say I'm. I'm I think it's important that people are talking about mental health now, but I also think it shouldn't dominate everything and, and spoil your day. You know, as somebody that's self-employed, you know, I've I've made a habit of sort of think, keeping things to oneself and managing them because because I can't because I because I have because I don't know. I think I think now we expect to say, oh, you know, I'm 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 uh, I've. I have this affliction, whatever it is, not just mental health. Um, uh, you know, please, can I can I have a job, please? But still, but I still need a job. I've 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 never had that option. I've I've had to just get on with it. Uh, and if I if I want to pay the rent, I've I've had to manage uh, the dark places of the inside uh, by fair means or foul. Uh, I have to say my. I've got quite a lot of dark places and, and, and my insides have grown a bit in lockdown too. Anyway, what am I talking about? I think I'm talking about um, the fears of this story. Uh, uh, it's clever. They're, they're, they manifest on the inside. They are, they are manageable through our own... by managing our own fears. I can't exactly remember what I've said for parts one, two and three because it was as i say a couple of weeks ago um but this idea that you know you you have nothing to fear but fear itself that 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 i'm actually worried about something coming up just a job thing just a professional thing but i worry and i fret but actually i create my own demons because it hasn't happened yet i am worrying about the potential for something to go wrong I'm looking for all the reasons why it might go wrong. I've always been like that. My my glass is half full. No, half. Yeah, half. Which it's my glass is the bad one. I've got a I've got a shit glass <laughs> with sick in it. Um. Anyway, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but I think it's 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 important to the story. Um, I keep spotting Glenn Murphy Dibber. Uh, uh, he's 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 the front kinder here. Uh, he's now. Did I mention this? That the amount of OBEs and CBEs, the decorated people in this story, um, Richard Todd, Glenn Murphy, and uh, Graham Cole, who's also one of the Kinder extras, who is PC Tony Stamp in the Bill, but has done lots of charity work. Glenn Murphy went on to be famous in London's Burning, used that to do a lot of charity work. So they're all OBEs, CBEs, MBEs. I, or I think. Glenn Murphy and Graham Cole are OBEs and Richard Todd is a, was a CBE. Uh, so is this the most decorated story? I don't know if I've mentioned that. This is the problem. I should do them all in one go. Uh, Sarah Prince is very good as Karuna. Um, and it's she's great casting because I don't know how old she is here. 
but I, I think she's older than she's supposed to be. Or she's a young actress who's got a lot of intelligence and gravitas. Um, uh, and this jungle is looking okay. But uh, come on to me. Just look at the I can talk. I can talk about um, this stuff. What's I think what's so clever about this is that, it, 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 you know, it, it, it is, you know, monsters from myths and legends are a, a projection of our own psychosis in a way we we tell stories about terrible things to take the power away from them because they are manageable doctor who is so brilliant for that doctor who is so great for for i was a scared kid i was scared of getting into trouble we were scared of losing the house i was i think there was abandonment things going on because my dad left when 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 i was four i'm not saying this as a sob story i'm not interested in that but i i I, I have, you know, in talking about these issues, I've done a lot of talking to people. Um, I, I, I think it boils down to, you know, what's going on in this story with 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 Hindle and with and with uh, Sanders. I wish I'd been a sort of childlike as as Sanders is, because he's had, you know, he's had his mind sort of cleared, and he's got that childhood innocence, which now, as again, as an adult, you look at kids who are desperate to grow up fast, and my kids are, you know, are desperate to, to be all, you know, all grown up, don't know, he's got, no, keep your childhood innocence. Uh, I remember sending my kid to school for the first time, uh, and going, oh no, now the, the outside world is there to start sullying him, other people's influences, you know, one, now there's a controlling thing there, of course, but it is a bit like this, you know, the, the kinder, uh, go back to nature They're, although they have a society but it's it's they don't seem to chat much and they're certainly not avaricious or um a- ambitious uh, and they're free of all those things that we desire but are not savages because they are you know they've got the the dna thing they're 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 a wise race but in their wisdom they have abandoned all of the things that we think give us comfort but actually don't make life any less stressful. I suspect if you'd said to us 20 years ago, described an iPhone, you'd have gone, well, that's going to solve all of my problems. Everything's quick. Everything's easy. Blah, or all my contacts in one place. I don't have to remember phone numbers. Blah, 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 blah. But of course, it doesn't. And now if I send somebody an email and get a reply in five minutes, I suddenly think they must hate me and I'm awful. Um, or, oh, should I put that sentence? Or should I? And they are all manifestations of the the gremlins that inhabit the dark places of the inside it's all stuff of one's own creation and i think that's why this story has has spoken to me quite a lot and yes i know it's a lot of actors in yellow loincloths in a studio set um and it's a program about somebody traveling through space and time in a police box so i'm also aware of being highfalutin and 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 i'm actually also aware that recently that some of the discourse about doctor who is that it it has to be terribly important to be worth something no doctor who is mostly worth something because it is escapist entertainment and it's great fun when doctor who loses its sense of humor and when we lose our sense of humor about doctor who i think we're in big trouble and you know if you want to look at adrian mills from that life that's life in a in a in a in a box made of sticks with um lipstick on his teeth yeah and and think that that is silly i that's a that's a perfectly acceptable position to take um but that's not the mood i'm in today and i'm reacting to these in the mood i'm in today uh, i am going to so look back on these in the future and go 
because because people tell you you know when you know whenever you, you you appear on screen in public or anything you know look employable you know project the image you want to project um and the image i would like to project is perhaps somebody you know slightly uh 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 um you know well well presented uh <laughs> with a bit of elan perhaps uh da dapper um but uh, as, as i say i look like somebody who's robbed a 1970s gym and hasn't had a proper haircut in seven months i wonder why how that could be um ah oh, this music was on uh doctor who the music volume two for many years the only record i had <laughs> i remember buying it from longleat house and thinking it would be like having the stories in my bedroom uh, and i quite like this track a lot of that record baffled frightened and, <laughs> and irritated well it didn't irritate me but i i wanted to like it far more than i actually did because do you know what when you're 15 i don't think you should be lying on your bed listening to the city the sweets from the sea devils uh it helps nobody <laughs> and i i you know and 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 i think your brothers and sisters wonder why you've got a a a a, a, a an old a broken down old lorry um uh, burping in your in your bedroom um adrian mills look at him here is is, is the, the the his his box of sticks is still on fire and he's looking at it as if say shall i carry on acting oh it's usually it's, it's it's handy because if you were aris in a box of sticks that was a bit on fire you would be looking at the fiery bit sort of um but i i i think a bit of mills is creeping through <laughs> um but yes, that, that's a nice. It's a nice piece of music. The old, uh, the old TSS. The, the, is it called that? What's it? I think it's called the. I, I, I like the way that uh, Davison. He he keeps the energy up. So if a door is slow, uh, he you know he 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 filters that into the character of the Doctor. Uh, and, and so then the Doctor is an impatient driver. And if the Doctor is, you know, that impatient, it. It is obviously upping the jeopardy because he's, you know, time is short. It's it's a it's a clever thing. One to make up for a shortcoming of building, you know, doing stuff in a BBC studio um, with doors that move very slowly. But it's also a great character choice. I absolutely love these scenes coming up. Uh, I love the world that they've created in the show, uh, and these scenes, of course, are about these people creating their old little world. It's a it's a it's a box in a box. It's a world with it's a fictional world within a fictional world. And quite brave sunrise, you can see his sweat patches there as well. That's uh, that's uh, that's quite sort of brave and real. Um, and he's he's very good. And 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 Richard Todd's great. I love that sort of innocence that he gives an. an and it's sort of it's almost a shame we didn't see all the more horrible sanders at the beginning because it's again it's more of a contrast to what you can see in the in the uncuts and in the scenes that are cut um and of course talking of the cut scenes they've had to cut scenes from episode one because it overran and during Earthshock, they've had to go what have we got well we've got we've got we've got two actors under contract here um who are currently not in the other scenes of the story uh, that are that are playing out so what are they doing they're they're 
telling each other what the audience knows <laughs> in order to beef out the episode. A shame, but um, an, an, a neat... Uh, uh, a, a need to get out of trouble um you know that's that's what you that's yeah i mean that's what you still do you know if suddenly you're running short you have to come up with something that uh, that fills it in so it's not the most elegant of stuff but i i don't think it sticks out as badly as uh, as as you might think and the fact that grimwade's still directing it probably helps um yeah this is so good simon 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 rest is is giving one of the the performances of, of the show's history but it's 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 beyond that as well there's some I th this is great the way he does this uh, the, the, the way he sort of rather casually goes goes over to picks the mirror up um, and and this this is great you when he, you can't mend people I find it desperately um yeah I find it I I get a bit I get it. I'm a, I'm a bit sentimental in my own age, in my old age, and I, I, I get quite moved by other people's sadness. I saw a saw a girl at the at, at uh, Euston Station, a schoolgirl, crying, and I just imagine she was walking on. She was fine. She wasn't abject or anything, um, but there are tears running down her face, and I could only imagine what sort of terrible trouble she'd had at school and what her nasty friends were doing or what, or, or maybe she'd suffered a bereavement or something. But there was something, and I, I find in, especially in young people, sort of seeing that sadness and upset, I've, I've, I, I find it terribly moving in a way that I, I'm not... Was I sensitive when I was younger? I was very sensitive when I was younger, so maybe I did, but I'm very conscious of it still. Um... I think her management of Todd's management of uh, Hindle is superb in this, and uh, Neris Hughes plays the fact that she's terrified, uh, and it's and I, isn't it interesting the fact that it's her that gets the button off him by you know by a bit of a diversion and cleverly manipulates him into opening the box and. That is what makes all the wasps in his head go to sleep. Uh, and what it is, is is it's clearing it of all that stuff. The manual, uh, the world building, the... Uh, you can't mend people. You can mend people. It's not... It's hard. Um, and, and, and that, yeah, that that boxes a mental detox i mean I, I this is going to sound very high fluting because i i i you know i i think i think we all need something which is why we have hobbies which is why we have things that take our minds off things i mean we use that sentence don't we because our minds left to their own devices you know play terrible tricks on us you know they they make red Ollis from the bill appear in our heads but they also but they and 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 like with your physical body, they need exercise and stimulation in order for them not to, you know, sort of start playing those tricks. If you if you if you make it, you know, it's if 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 you make 
the imaginative centres of your brain engaged in a story or in the history of a television programme or the personalities of the people that make the show that you like or other stories that are offshoots of the story that you're watching or just getting lost in the story itself. That is all stuff that takes, stops your mind going, yeah, you're not very good at stuff or, you know, that thing tomorrow you're not looking forward to. You know, that thing you did 20 years ago and you still see that look on that person's face that you disappointed. All of that, you know. So it's almost like when, when you're, when you're, when your when your mind is left to its own devices, uh, if you're not too careful, so that's sort of counterintuitive, though, isn't it? Because then again, we have a lot of this technology and stuff to occupy our minds, but actually, it, that that feeds the snake as well. That feeds the beast as well. So, so have I just contradicted myself? It's interesting that because, well, I suppose the. But, well, no, because I suppose the kinder are connected to each other. And I suppose, you know, with with something like Doctor Who, you are connected to, to other people who share your passion. Unfortunately for us, yeah, there's Glenn Murphy from uh, London's Burning getting his close-up. Uh, but I suppose you have to be connected with other people. There's Glenn Murphy again. Um uh, so yeah, he's Dibber in Trial of a Time Lord, everybody, and later went on to be a star in uh, London's Burning. Um, but this simple way of life actually says, well, take away the technology, but they still have the stories. So I suppose just you know, I'd have to watch if I if I was to cleanse my mind and become one of the Kinder in order to uh, uh, find um, mental. Uh, Shangri-La, mental calm. Uh, I'd have to watch Doctor Who via the medium of the trickster. <laughs> yeah, he'd just have to... <laughs> he'd just have to act them all out for me in his own special way. Um, but I, I, th I think Doctor Who is sort of... Is, is, is my box of jhana. Doctor Who is the thing that I go to to lose myself in. Now I've seen the stories... But but it's great when when a Blu-ray comes out, it means I can watch a story you know that I've only seen in bad quality before, say, or with new special effects, or just one I haven't seen for ages, or uh, because it's got an extra documentary associated with it. You know, there's, so there's something fresh that keeps it alive. But but it's certainly the thing. And I pour myself. I do things like this. I write things. I research things. And we all. And I, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I don't know, I've said I an awful lot there. It makes me sound like a rather egotistical young fellow, etc. Um, uh, but I, but I, you know, I think, I think, you know, we do, don't we? We we write our own stories. We, you know, do, do some people make their own models. Some people, uh, you know, there's there's so much inventiveness out there. You don't have to look at Redbubble or Twitter or 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 fanzines or, or whatever that. Uh, that it nourishes us mentally and and you know keeps the snakes at bay. They were wasps a minute ago, but uh, <laughs> but of course the the the, the, the snake now the snake is about to appear. I, I remember they showed this on That's Life and everybody laughed. For for, for those in the states uh, who might not know, uh, Adrian Mills, who plays Aris, uh, was went on to be a presenter of uh, the oddest television program there's ever been. It's an extraordinary thing. It's called That's Life. Uh, where Esther Ranson, uh, who's a, 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 a very illustrious presenter, um, would somehow segue from uh, uh, um, from uh, halitosis to 
amusing traffic wardens to uh, indecipherable signatures of bank managers to um, phallic-shaped vegetables to a child with an awful disease, all within the space of half an hour, uh, singing dogs. Um, <laughs> um, and they showed this because, because, and there were always three sort of cohorts who were young male presenters who would sort of read out and do the funny voices. Oh, that's was he called Jerry Judge? He was uh, that uh, the, 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 that that kinder. There was a shot of he was um, Johnny Depp's bodyguard uh, at one point. Um, so they th yes they showed this to to shame Adrian Mills for his previous career as an actor. And so Kinder was never high on my list of stories I liked when I was younger because I didn't understand most of it. That's Jerry Judge there, peeking out from behind. Um, I think he was called Jerry Judge. Yeah, and he ended up being Johnny Depp's bodyguard. Died last year, the year before. Um, I actually think that snake is not as bad as I remember. Now, again, maybe I'm getting older. I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit less conscious. I'm, I'm not going to show this to my schoolmates and worry about what they think of it because... Um, because I no longer feel the need to make everybody watch Doctor Who and think it's the best thing ever, um, but I actually think it's it's quite a it's it's quite a strong and uh, it's got a lot of girth, but it's a it's it's quite a hefty model. Is is pink the right colour? I don't know. Uh, I think that was a brave choice, um, but I actually think it was a decent and and, and you know Gr Grimwade you know, didn't linger, treated the video slightly. I, I, I was dreading the snake. I, I, I think the CSO growing is, is a bit, is a bit pony, but the, but the actual full, full size snake was not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Not as bad as I'd remembered. Still not going to be one of my things. Um, uh, so, Yes, that's life. Oh, I think I've told you. I think you need to know all you need to know about that's life. It was a very odd computer, uh, uh, consumer program. V very good. Lee Corns, there you go. Well, as an actor, what I should do is I, I'll, I'll, I'll look back. There's no reason for that to happen, but uh, it, it just keeps the scene interesting and means that you get a nice little bit uh, of extra screen time. Uh, uh, I, I love this redemption that they get in a in a in a series where the the bad guys often get blown up or shot, and even people who've been sort of taken over uh, are somehow you know nonetheless acceptable cannon fodder. Um, these two men started this story um, angsty in one case, nasty in another. Um, closed-minded you know that if they're so clever why haven't they done this in terms of sanders and you know adult-minded in terms of of hindle and through a process of sort of self-reflection uh and self-care uh they emerge better um and oh i love neris Hughes. she's so good uh, you, you I'd love to have seen the the doctor with that sort of uh, companion. Have I been too highfalutin about this? Maybe, I, and and actually missed the message because I was there going on about you know watching Doctor Who uh, in in uh, and that being my box of jhana. But actually, this is about you know casting off all all the sort of modern trappings. And I I'm aware that, you know, and I think it is that that paradox that all that stuff we've put around us to make our lives easier actually doesn't help our mental health and makes our mental health 
a lot worse. And I, and I, you know, I'm conscious of talking about it because, as I say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm reticent about over self sharing because I think that's ultimately quite narcissistic and I do have a little bit of the the Richard Todd World War Two spirit of just get on with it um, uh, and you know I think I think we do sometimes celebrate and go that person was very brave talking about that thing about themselves uh, is that person a member of the theatrical profession and you think they were brave because they were talking about themselves and making you feel sorry for them um, I'm being slightly glib but it's just a it's just a cautionary note to myself as much as anybody else because i think the temptation to um it's it's equally as i think dangerous uh, uh you know the the serpent is there as well um in in making it you know in making all of your energy uh about yourself um real buddhism isn't it it's about it's actually about freeing yourself of 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 ego um Anyway, so there were some thoughts. Look, it's not a it's not a lecture. I've not necessarily written that and uh, thought it through. Um, I was just I was just I was approaching this with trepidation because, uh, as I say, I've had a ro I've had a rotten, tricky couple of weeks, and not I don't want sympathy. Um, uh, and, and actually, all in the great scheme of things, none of it's very important. But I'm also aware we're all trapped, aren't we? We're all trapped in our little boxes uh, as i speak you know the ease of lockdown has been announced but it's still four months away i've had my first jab um uh but um you know let us not underestimate that uh, you know we've 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 all been shut in our own funny little boxes um and and spent a lot of time without talking to other people which means that you do spend a little bit of time hanging out in the in the inside that's got all those dark places in it so uh i suppose a timely story to be watching and i think perhaps because dara is a writer um and very clever uh maybe that's uh, got me pondering on those rather than going that actor was in that thing um but there we go that was that um uh yeah i hope you're doing okay this is part of doing this was part of you know me sort of being productive because i if i don't do something now i've got other things i could do there's a quasimass book i should be writing but 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 somehow this <laughs> so it's and i've actually been very very busy during lockdown but i i i i, I like to do stuff and also i think the positive thing uh again rather narcissistically maybe go well i'll do a thing that will bring happiness to people oh i'm just so giving so um oh it's it's all question one questions oneself um uh yeah we're um we're um yeah i think people think people who do comedy are very very full of themselves um uh and I do not feel that that is correct. Uh, I don't know a more self-doubting. Oh, there are some. It's you. I think you know which ones are. No, I think everybody. I think everybody. Um. So look, find this boring. Find this unfunny. Find this uh, uninformative. But please don't think it comes from somebody um, 
who, who uh, is overburdened uh, with um, uh, self-regard. So, listen, that was a funny old episode, wasn't it? Sorry about that. It's Doctor Who's fault. What am I doing next? Uh, I can't remember which one I'm doing next. I'm sure it'll have explosions and actors from things. Uh, and you can come back for that one. Dara Carville has got to choose something from episode four and a bonus thing. As a reminder, I've chosen the cast from episode one, the dream sequences from episode two, and uh, the, the the Panner stuff and the and the and the nightmare sequence from episode three. Oh no, I so I've got to choose my two things. Uh I'm going to choose having chosen the cast, uh I sort of maybe slightly cheat this, but the doctor's dynamic with Todd, uh, which I don't think overlaps too much with the fact that I include Neris Hughes in the cast. Uh, with oh, or do oh, god, or there's the you can't mend people scene, which is one of the greatest scenes of, of Doctor Who of all time. I think it's just says so much and it's so clever, and I find it quite moving. Um, uh, and quite it's it, it, but it's still you know, it's dangerous. Um, but also, I'm this talk I've just inflicted upon you it makes me think of the Mara and what a clever idea that is for a monster the idea that it's not a traditional monster it's not an alien that wants to invade us um well not you know not not in in terms of you know landing in the home counties and stealing our nuclear power stations or whatever I, I, as I as I get older and, and maybe just because of this week or today or whatever the idea of a creature that is a manifestation of our own self-doubt our own demons i think is such a great idea um but neris hughes is top i do think she's so good but i did choose neris hughes in the cast so i suppose that has a bit of overspill into you know what what she does and the dynamic she has with davison so maybe i'll give honorable and i but i do and i and the you can't mend people scene is is great. What? No, I'm I was because I, I I loved what Neris Hughes did as well with when with with disarming, disarming the bomb and what Todd did. With. So yeah, top is it Todd? Is it you can't mend people? Today, and you can't mend people is amazing. Today it's Todd and her relationship with the Doctor and that dynamic and 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 the fact that there's a. Also, what she represents as a female character who has her own agency and holds her own. And sometimes I think female characters in Doctor Who are special, are archly special, and it draws attention to itself. Whereas, whereas her performance and the scripting is so very organic, and Peter Davison responds very, very well to it. So all things t that Todd brings to that that dynamic. So to, yeah, so Todd and the Doctor, but you know, offshoots of that, and the Mara and what it represents with a with an honourable mention to the, which on another day would have won the uh, You Can't Mend People. And probably if I had my time again, I might go back and take the, the dream sequences out of episode two and throw Todd in there. Because I like the dream sequences, but there aren't that many of them. And and um, and, they're, and they are fairly simple. Anyway, I've done one. No regrets. Always have regrets. <laughs> What's Dara chosen? He's probably chosen neither of those things. This takes me to episode four and another of my favorite lines, which is you can't mend people. And that brings us to the performances. The performances in Kinder are uniformly excellent. Um, I love 
Neris Hughes' grounded down-to-earth performance as Todd. And talking of Todd's, there's also the great Richard Todd. Um, he really plays two parts here. In, in the first episode, he's the kind of blustering voice of Empire. But then after his encounter with the Kinda, he becomes this childlike figure with this beautiful, um, gentle smile. Um, and then, of course, there's Simon Rice. Uh, Simon Rice's performance as Hindle is, I think, and uh, I think there's a general consensus on this, that it's one of the great performances in the history of Doctor Who. Um, I actually met Simon Rice uh, a few years ago at the theatre. I just bumped into him um, back when we could go to the theatre. And we got talking and I told him how much I loved this performance. And he said that he'd actually recently bumped into Mark Gatiss, who'd said much the same thing. And they'd had a chat and agreed that Hindle is still out there somewhere and should really make a return appearance in Doctor Who. Um, the final thing I'd say about, about Kinda, um, the other thing that I love about it is the snake. Um, now, I'd love to say, look, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Um, bad special effects don't bother me at all. It's all about the writing and the imagination, but that's not true. In 1982, when I was 13, uh, the snake effect made me cringe and there's nothing worse than cringing when you're at peak cringe at the age of 13. Um, so I'm delighted with the CGI version of the snake in the in the DVD rendition. Uh, I think finally the snake lives up to the rest of Kinda. Okay, over to you, Toby. Oh, well, that's it. That's a whole other conversation. I didn't watch... Uh, with the snake uh, tonight, uh, watching watching it for the for the for for this this commentary, but I, I have to say, unusually because I normally go into these blind. I did actually watch part four in preparation for this because I was a bit worried um, about where I was going to go with it, um, and so I I thought, well, I'll watch it with the snake, so my excuse will be. Uh, I'm watching it with it so that when I when I do the commentary, I I watch uh, I watch uh, uh, you know as as God intended with the uh, with the original. Um, uh, but of course, because on the DVD, I think on the DVD there's some sort of glitch so that uh, all the shots that there are alternative shots for a little logo appears in the corner, and I think that was some sort of authoring error. So uh, nice to see. Pardon me on the uh, on the Blu-ray that I've seen it without a little uh, film camera icon appearing in the the corner, and I think they've done an absolutely superb job with the CGI snake. But I watched uh, the original version tonight, and I actually thought the the original snake was not too bad either. So was was Dara's favourite thing there the 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 CGI snake that wasn't in the version I watched? I explained it. <laughs> I'm not sure I've got to grips quite with. Uh, uh, uh dara's um uh dara's uh uh f favorite things i'm i'm not sure i've i've got anywhere near any of them well he did the cast didn't he for episode four and i'd done it for episode one and i don't know what the rule is for that um i think i get a point i i think i'm, I'm i think i'm allowed a point for that um because i got nowhere near the poetry and the musicality and all the clever stuff that he did which is what i, I love about this he's a very successful tv writer and he brought a very um good storytellers intellectual sensibility to 
uh, a story that you know requires that and i think maybe i've tried to be a bit clever in order to keep up and 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 perhaps i should have instead just tried to be funny as usual because at least when you're trying to be funny and fail uh, at least you know you've got a you've got a song in your heart and a joke in your pocket whereas when you try and be clever and fail i think you just look like a brick so i'm sorry about that um uh, <laughs> so there we go um well look at least you had you had uh, interesting and articulate thoughts from dara um who i thank and let's wish him luck with series three of the bay that has been commissioned uh, uh and will capitalize on the success of series one and two which if you haven't seen are uh i think still on the itv hub uh great cast in there um Great, great story. And set set uh, in uh, Morecambe, where my other half is from. So, uh, but that shouldn't that shouldn't be a deal breaker for you guys. Um, but uh, I'm so grateful that people like uh, Dara do that. I ho- as I say, I hope you guys are doing all right out there. Um, apology. Look, you you get me dressed in tatty old uh, gym gear and a cravat. <laughs> With oh God, I've got a. I have. I've got a. I've got a Bjorn Borg blooming thing on. I was, yeah. I've got. I've got a headband on as well. <laughs> it reminds me of the, the Tony Hendra from Spinal Tap died uh, this week, and it's one of my favourite lines where he says somebody's dressed as an Australian's nightmare. And I think. I think uh, <laughs> if you could see this, you would see I'm dressed as an Australian's nightmare. Uh, but in a way. Doesn't that show that one of the things that we that that uh, that um, one of our manifestations of civilization that we worry about how we look to other people? Although you could say actually that's a that's more of a uh, uh, a natural instinct, isn't it? Though it's an evolutionary thing. We have to make ourselves look attractive in order to propagate our our seed and our species, but particularly our strand of it. So. Perhaps I'm not being intellectual in dressing like, looking like an absolute, looking like I've spent the night in a hedge in 1972, um, having st- stolen something off a scarecrow. Anyway, what am I saying? Um, I'm either saying something very clever or I've missed the point completely, or, <laughs> or I should just, sh- perhaps that's it. Perhaps I, I s- saw this as a way to talk loudly about uh the the fact that um this whole lockdown has been a bit mentally bothersome at times and for me in the past week or so and that uh, this process of engaging with stuff is is a, is a way to heal that but perhaps i've uh, i've just spouted a load of old nonsense and the real truth of it is that you, you can't mend people uh, uh <laughs> And I'm just a cardboard man who's had his head pulled off. <laughs> um, oh, well, look, um, this certainly wasn't paradise. Uh, I'll see you at the next one, uh, which will probably uh, be slightly more straightforward. Um, try to stay out of the dark places. Take care. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. I think you'll find. I think you'll find.
Well, here's a bonus I think you'll find for this omnibus edition because a listener has been in touch and I've searched my Twitter messages, my Facebook messages uh, everywhere and I can't I can't see who it is. But I do love you for telling me and I'm sorry. There's so many ways of getting in touch with me. I lose track um, that uh, as well as all of the honours uh, accrued by Richard Todd and Glenn Murphy and Graham Cole, Anna Wing, who is, of course, famous for EastEnders uh, and lived to be 98, uh, who is in episode one of this story, was also an MBE. So that's another one to add to that illustrious list. Thank you to the mystery listener. Y- your honour is in the post, but I just don't know where you are or who you are. I'm so sorry, but thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this omnibus edition of Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest this time around is Dara Carville, who can be found on Twitter at Dara Carville. Good luck with Series 3 of The Bay, Dara. And thanks very much to the patrons who make these podcasts possible, who include Gavin Rymill, Darren Rule, Alex Rowan, Paula Reynolds, Peter Reed, Rachel T.S., Quaridors, Liam Price, John Pettigrew, Thomas Payne, Ken Patterson, Richard Patey, Phil Pascoe, Russell Parker, Mark Trevor Owen, Dave Owen, Jeremiah O'Connor, Justin E. Monaghan, James Miller, Nick Mellish, Dal McLean, Nate Lynch, Jacob Lumley, Andrew Llewellyn, Andrew Lester, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andy Kitching, Matthew Kilburn, William Keith, Jeff Kaplan, Judith Jackson, and Christopher Joyce. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. As well as lovely patrons, I'd like to thank those of you who've donated via Kofi, which is a one-off donation option for those of you who can't or don't fancy the monthly commitment. Anything in any way is hugely, hugely appreciated. I actually just appreciate the fact that you download and listen to my waffle. Uh, And if you'd like to continue to do so, well, I'll tell you what, if you go to Apple, iTunes or any podcast outlet and give these five-star reviews and perhaps a couple of lines of feedback as well, but a five-star rating really, really helps to... uh, you know, to wave in front of any passing punters who roll their windscreen down and take a look at my podcasting glory and aren't sure if they're tempted or not. Well, your recommendation could really help. So if you do that, it costs you absolutely nothing. But for me, it's priceless. Follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydoke. These podcasts have their own feed at Haydoke Podcasts. I do live comedy in Manchester every Tuesday at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club at 8pm. And if you're not in the Manchester area, well, we do a show on the first Sunday of every month at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. I'd love it if you could join in there as well.